Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our Wednesday Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Man, I'm glad that you're with us. It's going to be a great day today. I'm Andrew Womack and I've got Pastor Dwayne Sheriff with me. And together we're going to just be sharing with you for maybe 30 minutes or so. We'll take a break and then we're going to take an hour's worth of live calls coming in. So the number is 719-619-2341. And after this first 30-minute segment, we'll be taking your calls. And it doesn't have to be on the topic we're talking about. It can be about anything, but we'd just like to hear from you and interact with you. And, man, it's a blessing to have Dwayne. We've been friends for a long time now. And I tell you, I just love Dwayne and everything that God's doing through him and Sue. And he's, a, for those of you that don't know, he's a pastor of a local church, but it's got 10 different branches in three different states. So it's one church in all these different locations. And God's using him. He's on my board of directors. He's a regular in Karis Bible College. What else? Man, I don't know. You're a husband. You're a dad. Oh, I'm a, you're I'm a, a grandpa. I'm, a, I'm an awesome grandpa. <laughs> better grandpa than a dad, and better grandpa probably than a husband. But I love being a grandpa. So, but I'm let, glad to be here. Let me mention that we have a vision conference that's coming up real quickly. It's on uh, September the 21st through the 23rd, and Dwayne and I are going to be doing this together. And what we're talking about here is about vision, how to receive vision, how to make God's vision for your life come to pass. There's just so many things we could minister about. And this is going to be a three-day meeting, and we'll just be scratching the surface. But, uh, man, God has given me huge vision. God has given Dwayne a huge vision. And, And so we may not be the best example of this, but we certainly know what vision is. And, Amen. And it's changed our life, and I believe it'll be a blessing Absolutely. to the other people. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I hope you can be with us. Uh, there's some things on my heart, and one of the things I love about this conference is Andrew and I do not get together and talk about what are you going to share, and then I'll share this and you share that. We actually do not collaborate at all And yet the Holy Spirit, we've done this together a few times, and it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit puts things together. And I'll come at it from one angle. uh, You'll come at it from another angle, and people just really get blessed. I've had tremendous feedback from every conference that I've done with you. Actually, it was either last year or the year before. We've done this like three years or something. And it was one or one or the other, but we both taught on the exact same thing. And I specifically said, let's teach on the exact same thing because he has just a little different perspective. And when you look at something, you know, from multiple angles, you get more than just a two-dimensional effect. You get the 3D. And so I like doing that. It'd be great to me if we both got up and preached the exact same message and just used our own. Yeah. Well, we actually we actually did that uh, at least using the same scripture. Yeah. And a lot of times, and one of the things I love about about you is a lot of 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 
speakers would be intimidated by that. I, in the past, have struggled a little bit with, oh no, they're on a scripture, I'm in a conference, and they're using the scripture I'm going to use, and is this going to create a conflict? And yet, with you and I, it's been nothing but a blessing and enhancing what God has shared with you yeah. and me, and I just see people really touched by it. So this is going to be the 21st through the 23rd of September, so that's just, what, is that next week or the week after? That's a week after week after. And anyway, we would encourage you to come. It's going to be awesome. And of course, um, I'll be speaking and Dwayne will be speaking. And then we have the minister's conference coming up and that's on October the 2nd through the 6th. And Dwayne is going to be speaking there again. I'll be speaking. Mike and Carrie Pickett, Bob Yandin, um, Dwayne, uh, Pastor Bob Nichols, Greg Moore, Wendell Parr, and Billy Epperhart. And we're going to also uh, do the... Uh, drama overturned, which they just did last Saturday. And uh, this is a brand new drama that Elizabeth Murin put together, and it's an hour long. She said it's going to be 45 minutes, but Elizabeth, <laughs> give her an inch, she'll take a mile. And it was awesome. I mean, everybody, they had people out in the restrooms that were crying after seeing this and people getting touched. And so we're going to do that during our minister's conference. And uh, I promise you, it's going to be good. If you are in full-time ministry or know someone who is, they need to come. This is also the 40th anniversary of our minister's conference. And so we've got a special video that goes back and shows 40 years worth of what God has done. And, wow. And it's really awesome. We used to go up into the mountains of Colorado. You didn't ever come up there with us. No. But we went to Buena Vista and it was a young life camp and it only accommodated 110 people. And we got together and uh, I mean, it was wild. And this guy, Dave Duell, did you ever know him? Yeah. Dave Duell, he was wild. And we just did things and people let their hair down. And <laughs> we actually have video of this one guy, Andy, I forgot his last name, but he would flop on the ground and do this stuff and spin and do all these things. And then all of the old folks like Joe Nay, the guy who was kind of a mentor to me, he got to standing behind him and, and trying to dance, but he was doing this Egyptian <laughs> thing. And then people got to doing the swim and other things, <laughs> seeing all these old ministers dancing and just having fun. Yeah. It was a wild time, but man, it was refreshing. Yeah. So anyway, we've been doing this a long, long time. Amen. It's been awesome. So anyway, uh, again, we'd like to encourage you to call uh, 20 minutes or so from now. We'll start taking your call, 719-619-2341. So, Dwayne, we can talk about a lot of things, but I wanted to just mention this. I got this from Mike Huckabee today. I'm on his list, and here it is, a CIA whistleblower. And let me just read a couple of paragraphs to you real quickly. It says, a senior-level CIA officer turned whistleblower told House investigators that during the pandemic, the CIA paid six analysts to change their conclusion that COVID-19 originated in a lab and say instead that it jumped from animals to humans. According to the whistleblower, there, were seven, there was a seven-member team of experienced officers with significant scientific experience who analyzed the origins of COVID. Only one believed it came from animals, while the other six wanted to issue a low-confidence assessment that it was created in a lab. The CIA allegedly gave the other six a significant monetary incentive to change their position. Mm. 
That's unbelievable. It really is. And you know, some people will hear this and say, conspiracy theory, and we, we were talking before <laughs> the thing. And everything we thought was a conspiracy yeah. theory has been proven to be true. I'd appreciate someone calling in and giving us some new conspiracy theories because, again, <laughs> I used to have a few and I didn't voice them because I really felt like they were uh, conspiracies. Uh, but, man, all of mine have come true. And, and this kind of thing, while it just turns your stomach uh, when you hear it, unless the truth surfaces, more and more people are going to buy into all this fraud and corruption and lies. And all of these things lead to some type of damage in our lives, our homes, or our nation. So yeah. the truth has to come out. And you know, this COVID and the restrictions that they put down, I don't think we even understand all of the damage that it's done. It's going like this generation that missed out on a year's worth of school, they've talked yeah. about that yeah. they will never fully recover that it's going to affect yeah. their functioning as adults. And I've heard people pick that lie back up in the national media and actually turn around and say the opposite, that there was no damage done and that this is a conspiracy. Well, that's like Biden and, saying that we are in a great economy. There's no recession. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't understand the Biden thing anyway mm -hmm. and how that man could have been elected president and how many people voted for a guy running for office out of a basement with a track record of fraud is just amazing to me. We just had Janet Porter with us and she's a little fireball and she got up and she was saying something about the president and, the, and we thought, man, she sounds like she's talking about Trump instead of Biden. And then she corrected herself and she says, and the resident, she says, I refer to the other one as the president, but this is the resident in the White House. <laughs> and she made quite a program. I'm I not sure that, that Biden was elected. I appreciate that so much. But anyway, it's bigger than just the COVID thing because it goes to the credibility. Most people are honestly, they trust government and they trust that government has got our, our good in mind. And we've trusted the FBI and the CIA but you know, I had Bill Federer on, on this uh, Truth and Liberty call-in show, and Bill Federer went back and he started showing corruption back in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, Lyndon Johnson, they called him Landslide Johnson because he was totally behind by like two or 3,000 votes in a local election in Texas. And overnight, he gained 10,000 votes and he won by a landslide overnight. And he said it was fraud. And this is, I'm, I'm not saying this, but Bill Federer goes as far as to show the corruption in Johnson and on and on. And I remember when I got to Vietnam, he's the guy that owned the sea and land, um, you know, trucking companies and stuff. And when I got to Vietnam and went to Chu Lai, there was thousands of sea and land trucks everywhere. They supplied all of the mm. stuff for Vietnam. And I remember me, as a 19-year-old thinking, this seems weird. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, Bill Federer goes as far as to say that he is absolutely convinced that LBJ is the one that had uh, Kennedy assassinated. Mm. And uh, he's got proof, so he says. But anyway, my point in bringing that up, whether that's true or not, he goes back and shows that this corruption has been in our government a long time. And uh, you know, you had a word from God about Trump and that he would expose all of this stuff. And, and people think things have just gotten worse 
I believe that all that's happened is it's coming to the surface and we're seeing it and it's actually like a boil or something. It's got to be lanced. You got to get this stuff out before it can ever heal. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand that until the people hold our government accountable, it will continue. It won't stop. Uh, they're, They're hungry for power and abusive with power. And as long as we allow it to continue, it'll just get worse. And so all of these kind of things coming to the surface is a, a wake-up call. Part of what I believe the Great Awakening that you and I have, have heard the Lord, I believe, on is that that's what an awakening does is you wake up to sin but to God as the solution. Uh, and so I believe that God is working right now, revealing all of this. And Christians have got to mature. They've got to develop and grow in these last of the last days, or, or we're going to be deceived and be contributing to all this corruption. So I just want to encourage people in their walk with the Lord and in their, their discernment. We said something, or you said something before we went on the air about even us discerning in the sense of an opinion. And I've always been reserved at large with my opinion because I wanted to be right. I wanted to be accurate. But, but listen to what maturity is here in Hebrews chapter 5, just real quick. But solid food belongs to those who are a full age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Their senses. Not, not your spirit. Your spirit discerns good and evil. And if you're in touch with your spirit, you will know good. You will know evil. You will know who's telling the truth, who's t- telling the lie. But many times we're not connected to our spirit like we need to be. But a part of maturity is your senses are exercised to discern. And a lot of the things I got canceled, you got canceled. Everything I got canceled on social media and the lesson God's teaching me that I want to teach the body of Christ is the people that were telling the truth. It was those of wickedness that suppressed the truth and then gaslighting with lying and lying upon their lying and then lying with confidence. We have to learn to discern that, wait a minute, something's wrong here. You probably knew in your heart that that COVID virus came out of the Wuhan lab. I knew it. I knew it instantly and said it. That got me canceled. I knew that there was election interference. Somebody said again today, how do you know there was election interference? Well, what's happening right now? Election interference. They're doing it now because it worked then and they covered it up then so they think they can get away with it now. And until the preachers in the land exercise their senses to be able to discern good and evil and mature and then the body of Christ rises up, we've got some difficult times ahead of us because all this corruption and lies, it leads to no good, no good whatsoever. So let me ask you, if you would, just share a little bit. The Lord spoke to you about Trump being elected long before it looked like he was ever going to be elected president. And the Lord told you that it was going to be revealing all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, three things. It was, uh, I, I was telling uh, Andrew a few years ago, I've prayed for elections my whole life, my whole adult life. I've never heard God on who's going to be elected, not one time. And then in 2015, I wasn't for Trump. I was actually uh, for uh, uh, Ted Cruz. Dwayne and and I actually went to a house where Ted Cruz was and got to pray with him. And I mean, we were very impressed. We, We actually had the privilege with being with some of the highest end leaders in the land. 
and uh, only 20 laid hands on him, and you and I were two of the 20 that got to lay hands on him. So I'm laying hands on Ted Cruz, and I'm believing God for something different. We need change in our country. And so I'm laying hands on him, blessing him, believing for God to, to raise him up. And leaving that meeting on the way home, I had an, uh, 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 an open vision, even driving. I can't explain it. I didn't hurt anybody. I stayed in my lane, but <laughs> it was like a flash of a vision and the audible voice of the Lord. I didn't hear it with this ear, but inside, clear that Donald Trump will be the next president. That, well, he actually said he'll be the Republican nominee, not who you just prayed for, <laughs> and uh, that he'd be the next president. And, and even that stunned me that I would have never thought he'd be president, much less God tell me. So I'm already starting to think, is this God? And I had this vision, this flash. And, and the Lord explained the vision that Trump would be elected, that there would be riots in the street, and that he would, number three, reveal, not be the source of, like the devil always twists everything. He always accuses others of what he's guilty of. He would reveal corruption at an unprecedented rate, but it would create such opposition, we would see the streets on fire, literally cities being burnt down, because that's what evil does. We don't even know the nature of evil. So this was 2015, this way 20... before the 2020 riots. Oh, yeah, this yeah. was 2015. And when was that, the 28, 20, when were those riots, Antifa and Burnt? Was that during oh, COVID? I'm, that I'm not positive. But I saw the opposition immediately to Trump, though, from not only Democrats, but from, from Republicans that are Democrats. You know, it's amazing, our politics. I've, I've seen so many Democrats that are Republicans my whole adult life, but I've never seen a Democrat that's a Republican. It's just amazing to you me. You said that wrong. And so, you said you've seen many Democrats that are Republicans. No, no, I did say that wrong then. I've seen many Republicans that are just Democrats, but I've never seen a Democrat that was really a Republican. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And so I saw the opposition, of course, from the Democrats, uh, but then the Republicans. And then I saw the body of Christ confused. And even when you would try to say something about Trump, they would accuse you of, of worshiping Trump or, or looking to Trump to save the country. And none of those things are in my heart, ever have been. And Trump is not the answer, but God used him, and I'm not sure he's through, because the devil won't let him be through, uh, used him to reveal the corruption, not create it. Yeah. He wasn't the author of any of this corruption. Well, that's like this insurrection they're saying, January the 6th. And I just talked to a woman two nights ago who said that she's certainly not for the Democrats and for all the liberals, but she's afraid of Trump ever being elected again because he's the one that caused the insurrection and she believes he will end democracy and make himself a dictator. Yeah. And when she said that, I just said, you've been listening to the 10 Spies Network. And it turns <laughs> out she came from the Washington, D.C. Yeah. area. Yeah. And if you hear this just constantly, they're beginning to believe. Yeah. When Trump specifically said, be peaceful, and he, yeah. he even offered all of the National Guard, and Nancy Pelosi turned it down, and on and on we could go with that. But, man, yeah, it's amazing. Jesus, he didn't cause this problem. When, when, when Jesus said, take heed what you hear, and then whatever you hear and, and the measure you hear, it gets multiplied unto you. And then in that same Mark chapter 4, in hearing 
and he that has an ear to hear, you actually get more understanding and revelation. But when you don't hear clear, you lose the understanding you had. And that's what's happening. I'm watching it with Christians lose their sanity over listening to the insanity. And it's difficult to discern and who are you going to listen to, but you're going to have to pray about this, brothers and sisters, and you're going to have to find, and that's where Truth and Liberty does come in. We've got our, our, our sheet here just of pages of, of news outlets that are trustworthy and have been vetted, and you're going to have to start getting your news from somebody besides the, the 10 Spies Network because there's an agenda. It's a narrative, and they're getting bold with it. Uh, it's just amazing to me, and I know I would be a victim of it if I sat there and listened to that stuff all day long. Uh, we got to hear God, and we got to hear people of God on what we need to do in this hour. We just had a conference last week. You weren't at it, but on Friday night, I felt impressed to get up, and I delivered a message in tongues and then in interpretation. And basically, it was that, you know, that people are grieved over what's been happening, and the Lord said that He's grieved too. But... He just encouraged us and says, it's going to turn around. And, and the Lord said that in two years, some of the people that are leading the charge and saying all of these lies, they are not going to be here. Amen. And he didn't say he's going to kill them. He Amen. didn't say, I don't know how they're not going to be here, right. but they are not going to be on the scene anymore. And so I believe that it's turning around, but it's not going to turn around without us getting involved. No. And I, and I bear witness with that as well, and that you and your families need to be believing for what, what I call the suddenlies, that, that it seems like you're not making progress and you're hitting this wall, and then all of a sudden there's this breakthrough, this suddenly. And, and I do believe that we're going to see a sovereign intervention of God. Uh, I'm not saying we're not involved. Uh, but because we are engaging, too many of us now, so many of us, I felt like I was by myself in 2015 when I was saying this. You were the only ally I had at that time. I'm seeing the change in the pulpit. I'm seeing the change in some of our churches. I'm seeing the change in the culture. Even lost people, brothers and sisters, this is a sad indictment, but I know lost people that have better discernment of the foolishness that's going on than some so-called born-again spirit-filled yeah. people. That's got to change, and I believe it's going to change, and you and I are part of that change. And just for the benefit of those watching, let me go back to uh, on July the 4th, 2023, this last July, we were having a uh, drama, a musical here, and we were worshiping the Lord, and I mean, God spoke to me very clearly, and I was praising Him for the 247th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. And the Lord spoke to me and He said on the 250th anniversary, which is be 2026, July the 4th, He said, you will, even the news media, the secular people are going to recognize that this wokeism is wrong and they are going to be exposing it and it's going to be out of being vogue and it will, and it will even be obvious to the unbelievers. How, how stupid Amen. all of this is. And I believe that's a word from the Lord. And so this goes Amen. along with your suddenly. How, yeah. how in the world do we get from where we are to where even the secular media yeah. recognizes yeah. the foolishness? It looks impossible, but you go back three years, who would have thought that we'd be where we are three years ago? It's happened quickly. I, didn't, I, I never dreamed morally we would be here. Uh, and I never dreamed even politically we would be this tyrannical, abusive, 
the police state, if you think for one minute the police state isn't here, I'm praying for your eyes to be opened. And if you think for one minute the police state that is on parade right now against Trump, against parents that go to a school board meeting and voice their opposition for a curriculum or for for uh, indoctrinating their children with sexual perversion and they become marked by the FBI as terrorists. If you don't see that as a police state, if you don't see a threat to that, and if you think for one minute as a Christian, we're just going to be able to put our head in the sand and this stuff just will be over soon. It'll, it'll, it'll pass. It's not going to pass. And I do believe that the Lord has specifically spoken to me that Trump is just in the way of them coming right now Absolutely. after the church. Absolutely. Why did they try to sh wake up, brothers and sisters? Why during COVID did they try to shut the churches down? We are the ground zero for the truth. We're the only opposition, I think, right now in the culture. The Republicans certainly aren't an opposing party yet, mm -hmm. but the church is the only opposition to evil. When the, when the levees broke during Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. The hurricane wasn't the problem. Uh, I lived in Florida. We've had horrible hurricanes down there before. It was the levees that broke was the problem. The levees were supposed to be a, a, a border, a wall to keep those waters from going into the city. Once the levee broke, it destroyed the cities. We are the levee. The church is the levee in the world. We're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We're the levees. And yet the devil has skillfully broke the levees down, the church. He's attacking the church because if he can tear the levees down, if he can tear the church down, he can destroy entire cities. So we have to stand up. Amen. Sorry, you I didn't know, mean to preach. No, that's great. And we had the governor of New Mexico this week just ban open carry of guns, which is against the New Mexico Constitution, against the U.S. Constitution. And she took an authority that she didn't have. And even the Democrats are saying, you can't do this. And they're opening up an investigation. And then, of course, COVID, it was totally unconstitutional for them to shut down churches and keep strip joints and and... Uh, marijuana stores open and on and on you go. And we are seeing people that you're talking about a police state. They are exerting authority and control that they do not have. And we need to stand up and fight against And we have to do more than pray. We have to pray. We can do a lot of things without prayer and it not work. But if we're going to pray, we better see a lot of things done yeah. coming out of prayer. And that is to have loving opposition to all of this stuff. This COVID thing's coming back. It will come back. It was the dress rehearsal for the Great Reset, yeah. which is global warming. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if, if Joe Biden doesn't declare a crisis and an emergency over global warming and that he goes back into the basement because he got elected one time in a basement. He can maybe get elected again. Did you know that just this last week they had a person who's a Nobel laureate and he is a leading scientist and he came out and joined the people that are saying climate change is a hoax. And also this last week, they had another person who wrote an article in one of the scientific magazines, and he came out and admitted that he only presented the, the study that he did that supported global warming. He had a bunch of other stuff, but they wouldn't accept his article if he would have shown the other side of the story. So in order to be published and gain notoriety, he did it. And all of this stuff's coming to the surface, and it's lies and deception, and we've got to stand up and speak the truth. And as soon as you see any minister 
canceled. <laughs> you better go get all their material in the upcoming days, hallelujah. <laughs> because the, those that are wicked will always suppress the truth. You know, we've been canceled so many times that my staff actually came to me and they said, do you want us to change some of the things you said? Because we've been canceled three times in a month, I think. And they said, if you get canceled four times in a month, they take you off permanently. And they said, do you want us to edit this out so that you won't be canceled? And I said, no, because that's self-censoring. Yeah. I said, the only thing worse than and Facebook censoring me is me censoring myself. I wish we had more time on that. That's exactly what Satan is doing. He's trying to intimidate every one of us in authority, God appointed, God anointed authorities to self-censor to be afraid to speak up or speak out, to be silent. And you are one of the few people I've ever heard say that silence is a form of approval. That's right. And that's why they try to silence us. But we're going to speak the truth in love. You need to speak Amen. the truth in love and good things are coming. Well, we're going to take a short break here and I think it's a 90 second break and we'll be right back. We've got three people on the line, but we've still got two open lines. So if you'd like to call at 719-619, Two, three, four, one. We'll be right back after this break. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Welcome back. I'm Andrew Womack. I got Pastor Dwayne Sheriff with us. And man, I just enjoy visiting with you. Dwayne. It's really, really good. It, it was a good first introduction. And you know, we've got some people on the line, but I, I'm going to skip to Jane, if I can do that, if our staff will put Jane on. She's from Idaho and she has a question that goes right along with what Dwayne and I were just saying. We'll get to the other callers in a minute. But Jane from Idaho, you are on with uh, Andrew and Pastor Dwayne. Hi there. My Hello. Hi. Is, will there ever be a time, I'm Andrew's age, do you think there will ever be a time in this country where anything will ever go back to being normal? <laughs> normal. Well, amen. Jane, the reason I wanted to take that question, because that goes right along with all the things we were saying. I believe that America has been in trouble for a long time, but it's been hidden. And again, I go back, you know, you could, you could go back to JFK having affairs with Marilyn 
Monroe, I think it was, and you can go back to just corruption at all levels, but it was never given the uh, attention that we see it having today. And I actually believe it's a positive thing that this has been done. So I say all that, Jane, to say that I don't think that what you're calling normal was as good as we thought it was. I think that there has been a deep state. Matter of fact, I had on, man, who was it? I had on, uh, it might have been Sam Brownback or it was somebody who was in the government. I'm real, I forget right now who it was, but they've been in the government for a long, oh, it was Ben Carson's who it was. And he, yeah. you know, became Trump's, uh, one of his leading officials over what? Housing and urban development? Yes. And I asked Ben Carson about uh, uh, deep state and he said, oh yeah, it exists. And I said, do you believe that it existed before Trump? And he said that when he came into office, some of the people that are the deep state people came to him and said, we were here long before you ever showed up and we will be here long after you are gone. So Ben Carson was saying that the deep state has been around for decades. And so anyway, Jane, I don't think things were as good as we thought they were. It was just under the surface and all of this coming to the surface, it's not pleasant, but I think it's necessary. <laughs> Absolutely necessary. Uh, and uh, the, the part of all change, uh, you and I as believers, we didn't change of our own accord. It was the revelation of our <laughs> sin. It was a revelation of how messed up we were that drove us to Christ and brought about this supernatural change. So I don't believe we'll ever have a perfect government any more than you have perfect churches. On this earth there's imperfect people, imperfect governments and systems, but I guarantee you this could be turned around in one election cycle. If there was an intervention of God and Christians saw the corruption and Christians saw what people really believe and if we put them in power what they're going to do, it would change. The problem is we don't have eyes to see at large. They deceive us. We vote people into power that hate us and that are going to rule over us. Until there's a great awakening, no, we're not going to see a change. Until there's an intervention where eyes are opened, we're not going to see a change. But my hope has always been and continues to be that there will be a supernatural intervention. There is an awakening taking place. It has begun. It may take 30 more years, but it has begun Amen. and it will come to an apex where God will save our country. That's what I believe. So Jane, I do believe it's going to get better, but we're a long ways from being where we need to be. And I don't think it's going to happen in one election. Cycle. No way. It's going to be a long-term thing. And so we, we need to engage. We don't need to just engage for one election cycle. We no. need to engage from now until we go to be with Jesus. And let me just jump in on that. Uh, we didn't get here overnight. We didn't get here in one election. No. This has been happening for decades and it may take decades to turn it around, but the turnaround has to begin with and an awakening. It, and it's begun. And it has begun. Amen. So thanks for your call, Jane. Let's go to Babby or Bobby, I guess it is, International from Uganda. You're on Truth and Liberty with Dwayne and Andrew. Hello, Andrew and Pastor Dwayne. Hello. Hi. Where are you from in Thank Uganda? You so much. Oh, uh, from Kampala. <laughs> oh, good. I've been there many times. We got wow. a school there and yeah. an office there. It's awesome. That's amazing. 
Yes, I'm a partner <laughs> with you. Thank you very much. In Kampala. Thank you so much for your ministry. I've been so blessed. And um, I always thank God for you. And it's such an honor to be speaking to you today. <laughs> well, thanks. So I, I had a, a comment and a question. Um, my comment is, you always talk about how people say that maybe you're so blunt or not as compassionate as you could be, but I just wanted to say that it is your bluntness in sharing the truth of God's word that snapped me out of depression. Praise <laughs> God. God for that. Praise the Lord. That's Praise awesome. God. Uh, I had a question about the word of God. Andrew, in your story, you talk about how there was a time when you'd spend long hours in the night studying the word, but um, you would come to it with not the right attitude, and you joke about how God also would be like he's not looking forward to it because of your attitude. And I was wondering, how did you get from that place to where you are now, where you love and enjoy the word, and it's not like a chore anymore? Well, Bobby, it's, uh, it's kind of a process. And I don't think that anybody just naturally is drawn to the Word. It, you have to read the Word with your heart. But, but, you know, the Scripture says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you will just persist in Bible study and open up your heart and ask God to speak to you, when He starts using the Word to speak to you, to me, that is the greatest experience I've seen my son raised from the dead. I've seen my wife raised from the dead. I've seen miracle upon miracle. And I guarantee you the greatest thing that I have ever experienced is the Word of God. God speaking to me through the Word, through a book. This isn't like any other book. This is alive. And if you ever experience that, Bobby, and it's, a, it's addictive. It's like getting a free sample of something and you say, man, I want more. <laughs> so I. I agree fully, and, and yet there are seasons in all of our lives where we still need that discipline of being in the Scriptures. But once you, for me, it, it, it was meditating in it to where I did hear something out of it. I would read it, and when I didn't hear, it was more religious. I'm just being kind of religious. But once I started hearing again, God speak to me. Once I got revelation, that's what created the hunger for the Word was the relationship with the Lord, hearing Him, sensing Him, uh, being led by Him through that Scripture. It's kind of like when you pray. Uh, I, I used to couldn't pray, but I prayed for 15 years. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. No one taught me, but I had prayed for 15 straight years and never seen really a prayer answered. If God had answered it, I didn't know He answered it. Then I have this experience in 1980, May of 1980, of a vision of the cross, and now I'm seeing prayers answered. So the answers to my prayers even motivated me more and gave me a hunger to pray more. So it's all a matter of relationship. Once you encounter God in the Word, you'll be wanting to get in it more. Amen. Once you encounter God in answered prayers, you'll want to pray more. And Bobby, let me say that this last week I was reading in Numbers, and you know there's a lot of great things in Numbers, but there's a lot of things where they say, all right, here's the 12 tribes, and here's the leader of the tribe, and he's the son of this person. And I've got a living commentary, and I haven't written hardly any footnotes on that, because <laughs> what does it matter about, you know, it yeah. was important then, but yeah. it, 
AND I WAS COMING UP TO THAT AND I WAS STARTING TO JUST READ THROUGH THIS AND SKIP THROUGH IT. AND THE LORD SPOKE TO ME AND SAID, ALL SCRIPTURE IS GIVEN BY INSPIRATION OF GOD. AND SO I DECIDED I WAS GOING TO GO TO BED AND WAKE UP IN THE MORNING WHEN I WAS FRESH AND GO BACK AND REVISIT THOSE VERSES. AND DID YOU KNOW I STARTED READING THOSE AND SAYING, GOD, ALL SCRIPTURE, SHOW ME SOMETHING. AND I BEGIN TO SEE THINGS mm. OUT OF THIS LIST OF THINGS ABOUT THINGS. AND I, I WON'T SHARE IT HERE, BUT I WROTE ALL, I PROBABLY WROTE 45 FOOTNOTES wow. ON VERSES ABOUT THIS PERSON WAS THE SON OF THIS PERSON. Yeah. Yeah. AND I LOOKED THEM UP AND BEGIN TO SEE THINGS. AND YOU HAVE TO APPROACH IT THAT WAY. EVEN THE BEGATS, there, there is a reason for them being in there. And you have to just say, God, I know that there is a purpose. Show me, speak to me. And if you'll open up your heart and meditate like what Dwayne is saying, you have to sometimes not just read through it, but sit there and ask questions. Why is this important? And, and God will speak to you. And let me just say this too, that uh, I went all the way through my junior year of college, never being able to read fully a book. I was so dyslexic. Uh, that even after I got married, Sue would read some of my books to me because I could, I could get it through audio, but visual I had a hard time because of dyslexia. I read the Bible through that, that first year after my vision. Uh, uh, that year I read it from cover to cover, even read the maps. There's maps back there. And I'm telling <laughs> you, those maps are anointed. Uh -huh. I read everything and I didn't even realize it, Andrew. God healed my brain just reading the Bible. Man, that's, nice. that's how powerful the Bible is. Now I have residues of dyslexia pops up and it's almost like Jacob walking with a hip. It's a reminder of submission to God. I, I have fun with it now when it flips, but it was so bad. I, I had never read a whole book all the way through my junior year of college. I read the Bible was the first book I read from cover to cover and God healed me. And now I've got multiple books that I've written. That's the power of the Word of God. Well, if you're dyslexic, then God becomes dog. <laughs> There's quite a bit of difference. You need to get that straight. Amen. All right, Bobby, Bobby, thank you for your call and praise God for what God's doing over there in Uganda. We, we have some great people working over there. Uh, let's go to Richard in New York, and you're on Truth and Liberty. Call in with Andrew and Dwayne. Yes, okay. You hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. you for calling. Okay, I have a question. I heard a pastor talking about um, the people of the Old Testament who lived hundreds of, hundreds of years old, and he attributed it to Adam and Eve eating from the tree of life while they're in the garden before they got cast out. That the what they ate was so potent and life-giving that it carried mm. over to I don't know how exactly he, he did this, but yeah. it just made people live long, longer lives because they get it. And I just, well, I couldn't Rich, find anything in the Bible, but Richard, I would disagree with that because uh, Seth. And Methuselah, the oldest person recorded, he didn't eat of the tree of life. They were kicked out of the garden and he lived to be 969 years old. And so that was nine years older than Adam. So I don't think it was eating of the tree of life. I think it was the fact that sin, the wages of sin is death. And of course, that's primarily talking about physical, uh, spiritual death, but physical death is just steps towards or it's a result of spiritual death. So I think that it was because sin hadn't multiplied in the earth. It wasn't to the degree that we said, and I think that's one reason they were living so long. 
And I won't take time to go into depth on this, but a good friend of mine, Dr. Carl Ball, he, he is a creationist and he has the Creation Research Museum in Glen Rose, Texas. And he believes that before the flood, there was this crystalline vapor that surrounded the earth and that blocked out some of the sun's rays. And he can show, matter of fact, I built for him a hyperbaric chamber where he puts things in there and they're under twice the atmospheric pressure. He believes that's what it was before the flood and it filters out all of the harmful rays of the sun. And you can take a plant that would grow to be one foot long and it'll be six foot tall. And he takes uh, things like uh, rattlesnakes and their venom under those conditions, instead of it being poisonous, it's actually curative. It's a curative type of thing. He took his wife and put a thing around her ankle and she had a burn that hadn't healed in four months, I think it was, or something like that. And they put this pressure and pure oxygen in there in this hyperbaric thing. And in 45 minutes, her burn completely healed. And so I think that the atmospheric conditions and things were different before the flood. So I would attribute it to uh, not as much sin being in the world prior to the flood and then uh, also the atmospheric conditions. I really believe that too, that, that the flood radically changed everything in the earth. But if my memory serves me correctly, and I didn't have time to just look it up right quick, but didn't God assign angels to protect oh, the yeah. tree? That's what I was saying. After they were kicked out of the garden, nobody ate of the tree That's, of life. But I didn't hear you say that it was protected. Uh, so I, I did have that right in my mind. So it, it wasn't because they ate of the tree of life, because that tree is the tree of eternal life as well, not yeah. just physical life. That's Jesus. He's the tree of life that we partake of. So I don't believe that either, that that was the reason. But I do believe the entire world was totally different before that flood. And there was a canopy that did break the rays of the sun. And, and this is why you had not only the plant life uh, the way it was, but other creatures on the earth that were like dinosaurs, if you will, could grow in that kind of environment yeah. that once that canopy was broke and the flood hit from above and from breaking from beneath, it changed everything in our lifespan. Yeah, I believe that. So thanks, Richard, for your call. Let's go to Ruth in Massachusetts. You are on Truth and Liberty with Pastor Dwayne and Andrew. Hi. Hi, Andrew Hello. and Pastor Dwayne. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for being there to answer our questions. And Andrew, thank you for all you've done and continue to do. You have literally changed my life. Well, that's a life that's worth changing. Amen. Uh, Amen. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, my question is about Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3, where it starts out saying, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it goes on um, with the description of things that show us how good and pleasant unity is. And then it goes on to say, For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And um, I would really like to know um, your thoughts on what is the meaning of that phrase, life forevermore, and does it have anything to do with um, the eternal life, the everlasting life that you talk about in your teaching on eternal life? 
Well, I think it does. I haven't spent a lot of time meditating on just the phrase life forevermore, but uh, the Lord showed me that in the new covenant, eternal life, you know, God so loved the world and that you don't perish, but you have everlasting life. And the definition of eternal life is in John 17, 3, where he says it's knowing God and Jesus Christ and me as sin. And I've talked about that eternal life isn't just in heaven living forever, but it's a quality of life. It's an intimate relationship with God. And I do believe, Ruth, that this, when you get into unity, that you start seeing this eternal life, this God quality of life, not only functioning in individuals, but in a body of believers. And uh, unity, there are some things, and I'll pitch this to Dwayne because I've never heard him talk about this, but I believe that there's some things that God has ordained for us that we will never experience as long as there is division in the body of Christ. Absolutely. Paul said, you know, as long as you are divided, are you not carnal and walk as man? And I think that, you know, the way that they saw so many people healed and, and the place shaken and, and cloven tongues of fire, some of these manifestations aren't going to happen as long as there is as much division in the body of Christ as there is. Absolutely. And if you go back and look at Acts, uh, all the power we focus, especially spirit-filled people, we want to focus on the power. But there's actually more said about the unity, and it was the unity that produced the power. God is not going to release His power and the fullness of His power in disunity. It becomes destructive. So unity is the key to the anointing flowing. We have the anointing. All of us bring the anointing when we gather. But it's only in unity where that anointing then is united and there's a flow that you operate in corporately that you just don't operate in individually. Mm -hmm. And while many of us are seeing some tremendous things individually, I crave for more unity in the body of of Christ because I do know that there's a greater power that I absolutely believe we've not tapped into because of our disunity. This is how, and Satan learned this actually at the Tower of Babel when God is the one that created division and dividing evil. He has to create division among evil to lessen their power. Satan learned, I believe, at the Tower of Babel that that's how he can lessen our power is by disunity. So while we even in some cases see more unity coming into the world, a one world order, stuff like that, and that will create a greater power of slavery and bondage, we have to come together in some greater type of unity that will create a power that brings deliverance. Let me just amplify on something that Dwayne said, but let me show you this out of the Scripture. Acts chapter 2, you know, is, is where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came, and it says in verse 4, they were all filled with a Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues. And we love all that power. But look at verse 1. Yep. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That doesn't mean that they were in a car, one accord. <laughs> this means that they were in unity. And this outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened when there was unity. And we often talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit, but we miss this unity. So what Ruth is saying is absolutely sure that we aren't going to see this God quality of life and manifestation of His true power as long as we are as divided as what we are. So thanks for your call, Ruth. We appreciate it. Let's uh, go to Christine in Connecticut, and you are on Truth and Liberty with Pastor Dwayne and Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Pastor Dwayne. I'm a follower of both of you. 
Thank you. And, <laughs> thanks. And I really have a problem because my only child, whose name is Andrew, in Florida, and uh, he's a believer, but a believer in a new wave church, and he's one of them. And he, you know, called me about a month ago and told me he wanted me to watch a video about homosexuality and gay people and how the Bible was just, King James was just translated by a bunch of white people in the 40s. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it was all misconstrued yeah. about Sodom and Gomorrah. That was about pedophilia, had nothing to do with. And I said, Andy, you can talk, talk to me about your wife, talk to me about work, talk to me about your children. I said, but don't talk to me about the way I'm believing because I am not going to change it. I believe what I'm believing is the true way to believe. And, you know, and so the children aren't calling me a month later. He's not speaking to me. And I just had, you know, eye surgery, whatever. And, you know, I'm just kind of heartbroken about the fact that this is my only child. And, you know, and yet he won't, you know, he won't. He wants me to believe what he believes and control me in that matter, and it's never going to happen. Amen. Well, Christine, that's a bad situation, and I don't have a full answer for you. I'm going to pray for you and believe that God will give you wisdom. But I've got two sons that aren't where I am in the Lord, and they've ridiculed my position. And so I've dealt with this to a degree and stuff. And I would say that you have to, you have to be led by the Lord because there isn't just a one-size-fits-all but I would say this, that if your son is telling you to listen to something that is completely against the Word of God and stuff, well, then you have to push back with at least as equal uh, a strength. You know, if, if I was to just touch Dwayne like that, he doesn't have to even respond. But if I was to run and try and throw my body weight against him, he has to respond with an equal push or I'm going to knock him off of his feet. And so, in a sense, if your son is pushing these things on you, you have every right, and I believe even an obligation, to stand up and speak the truth. Now, you don't have to overreact, but you need to use at least as much force. And it is possible that he might totally reject you and not talk to you, but I wouldn't compromise what I believe just to get along. I wouldn't go along just to get along. Uh, this was one of the big issues in the early church was people continuing to follow the ways of Judaism versus the ways of Christianity, and it divided homes. Uh, and our love and loyalty is tested in the dividing of our homes. And so we have to love God more than our spouses, more than our children. So that is a, a call that God has placed upon all of us. And we do pray for you, and it is a form of suffering, but it's Christian suffering. You're suffering righteously uh, the rejection of your family now, and we do pray for reconciliation. But I definitely uh, agree that we have to continually speak the truth in love, keep reaching out to Him and your, your children, your grandchildren, uh, because they need to know the truth too, and they're going to be indoctrinated with this stuff, and they're going to need a grandma that knows the truth. Amen. So seek reconciliation, don't compromise, speak the truth in love, uh, and then bear this. Pray for him, pray for him truly. And uh, there's just all kinds of ways, and I love Andrew's answer. Even as a pastor many times, I, I, I wish I had just a straight up black and white answer. But that, that's why we have a Holy Spirit. Amen. We wouldn't need the Holy Spirit if everything was black and white. 
And so listen to God, pray for Him, listen to God, and God will give you wisdom. And so, Father, uh, Dwayne and I and all of the people watching this right now, we Absolutely. pray for Christine, and we ask you to give her wisdom and show her how to respond regardless of how her son Andrew responds. But, Father, we all pray for Andrew, too, and believe that you are sending labors across his Absolutely. Path. And the truth that he has heard, the things that you have touched him with when he was younger and stuff, we believe you bring those things back to his remembrance, and we break the the demonic deception, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this world has blinded their minds so that they can't see. And we just break that demonic deception right now in Absolutely. the name of Jesus and believe that Andrew is having people come across his path, his heart's being softened, and he's coming back to the truth. So Let me just agree. quickly add to the prayer for your uh, wisdom. Make sure you are being a laborer for another parent that is praying for their child. There's people going to be across, sent across your path, and Jesus, Matthew 9, 38, He's the Lord of the harvest. He will, he will lead you to witness to them as a laborer, even as you're believing God, for a laborer to witness to your son. So do what you are praying for others to do in faith, and that just releases something supernatural that I've seen a lot of lives changed by us doing what we're praying for others. Amen. So thanks for your call, Christine. We're so close to the break. I'm going to go ahead and take this break and we're going to come back and we got Verna who asked a great question and we'll take that right on the other side of the break. We still have a couple of lines open. It's 719-619-2341 and we'll be back in 90 seconds to continue taking your calls. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm Andrew Womack. We got Pastor Dwayne Sheriff with us. And I tell you, we've been going for an hour and have had some great calls and I believe some good things are happening. We still have a couple of open lines, 719-619-2341. And we'd love to have you call and uh, we'll take your questions and do the best we can to answer it. So let's go to Verna. She's from uh, Alaska, but she's visiting Washington. And uh, Verna, you are on Truth and Liberty with Pastor Dwayne and Andrew. This is so awesome. Thank you for taking my call. I've been trying for a couple of weeks, and I really, I really want to know what to do in 
in on this topic. So, and thank you also for all of the uh, many platforms to learn about the truth. You're welcome. Just about everything and anything that that um, Andrew Womack Ministries is has a hand in and is involved in. So I really appreciate that. Um, You're welcome. So I believe that I believe that we're in the third great awakening from the enlightening and revelations that the both of you have shared. So would you please define what a great awakening means and how that looked maybe briefly in the first and the second awakening and what a third great awakening looks like? Um, in other words, what's happening today and what is proof that we're in it and what do we have to look forward to, to the next, um, in the next few years, 10 years or even longer? Um, and basically, or in a nutshell, if I share with someone who, knows less than I do about the Third Great Awakening, um, and their response is, what is that? How do I answer? Well, that's a great question, and man, we could spend hours on this. <laughs> Let me just say a couple of things real quickly, that I believe the difference between a revival or a move of God and an awakening is that a revival, what we call like the charismatic move, it affected individuals but an awakening goes beyond the individual and it affects the entire society. So I think that that's the difference. And then let me say this, that the first great awakening preceded the Revolutionary War. And I could give you many quotes on this, but the United States would not have existed if it hadn't have been for the preachers and the first great awakening who stirred up the people. And the results of it was the Revolutionary War and uh, there was a lot of hard times that they went through. The second great awakening was in the early 1800s and it preceded the Civil War. And the second great awakening is what raised up so many abolitionists and it's what brought all of this thing about slavery to a head and it resulted in the Civil War, which had some people say 630,000 people, Americans died. Some people have estimated it to be on closer to 800,000, more than any war that the United States has ever been involved in, and certainly proportional to the population back then. It was the highest percentage of casualties. And so uh, the great awakenings that we were talking about were not pretty. They weren't clean. They were dirty in a sense because it brought the people who opposed it to a place that, I mean, there was conflict and I really believe that this third of great awakening, it's not going to be where we're all sitting around singing kumbaya <laughs> and hallelujah and everybody just loving the Lord, but it is going to expose the evil, which I think that's already begun, and the evil is going to be overcome of the good. But to say that it's going to come easily, I don't think that's going to happen. It could be really ugly before it gets better. I, I really appreciate the question. Um, and even though I know I've heard the Lord on this, uh, Andrew is one of the few friends I have that has heard the Lord on he's this. One, I'm one of the few friends he's got, period. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that bad yet. <laughs> but this is what concerns me. And again, I'm going to say something that, that might melt the phone lines down. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to, to touch off emotions. but. As a young man, I really struggled with how could a society at large embrace slavery? 
How could that even happen? I couldn't, I couldn't imagine it. And then as I began to try to study and, and, and understand why we were the way we were, I found out the whole world hmm. was, was involved in slavery. That the Indians, we got a lot of Indians in Oklahoma that they had had slaves. They had a and, higher percentage of slaves uh, than the whites did. And I, I want you to say that because that, that's, that's inflammatory. It's that true. some studies show they had as many or more slaves than white people had. So it really became even more confusing for me. And, and then the Lord began to speak to me about, about abortion, about one of the calls we just had about a liberal believer. I'm not sure there is such a thing. Uh, I, I believe a, a new convert can definitely have liberal leanings in the world. But once you go from a, a, a convert to a disciple, you, you can't be a liberal. You will become conservative in the purest sense. So God spoke to me, though, about abortion. And that's how he helped me process. How could people ignore slavery? How could they have a slave? How could politicians vote? for slavery, it, it, we didn't, it didn't compute. Then I looked at my own generation, because that's where we should judge, judge ourselves instead of judging previous generations, and how can we embrace abortion like we have? How can we have politicians that celebrate abortion, celebrate transgenderism that's destroying people's lives here and their eternity? How can we have schools that embrace mutilating our children and pumping drugs into them? And so the Lord showed me that the Great Awakening, I don't know as much about the First Great Awakening, but the Second Great Awakening, it was this awakening. And let me say this and add to what he said quickly. I'll come back. The difference between a revival and an awakening, a revival does touch you personally and maybe an area, but an, awake, an awakening brings reforms, godly reforms, brings God's kind of justice. And, and, and that's why I'm nervous about this war issue that what happened was people started waking up that slavery's wrong, but yet there were those bent on evil. There was those politicians, especially Democrats in the South, that were bent on slavery and enslaving and oppressing black people. And there just came a point that even lost people were saying, this is wrong and it's over. And it led to a, a war that I've seen both of those figures between 600 and 800,000 people died, but it was for a righteous cause. And this is where I'm not good. I'm nervous about God's righteous justice and even war and, and the sword being the final intervention of a sovereign God over evil. And at least we saw abortion on a federal level ended without a war. Now that encouraged me because I didn't think in my lifetime I would see abortion addressed without there being literally a war. Because if you'll watch and you'll look back and you'll think, we have such a short memory, when, when, when some of these things were coming down that were saving babies' lives, there were people crawling on their hands and knees and clawing the Supreme Court doors with their fingernails just bemoaning their lack of ability to That's kill a baby. Demonic. That is demonic. Mm -hmm. And see, here's my concern. I don't believe true Christians want war. I, I've never met a Christian that wants a war or that advocates a war. But what we have to understand in this great awakening is lost people are going to wake up and they don't know the way that we know. And I don't know how this is going to turn out either. And it may get messy. It bothers me. 
But I believe that God's kind of justice is on the horizon and that it is equitable, it is fair, it is righteous, it is just, and that there's a point where evil has to be opposed. And I believe that this third great awakening, here's what I know and the only thing I know is that so many reforms will come out of it. Reform of the educational system. Reform of our churches. Our churches are backslidden at large, brothers and sisters. And I'm not, I'm not being negative. I'm being a realist that I travel all over this country. And I'm telling you, our churches are in a backslidden condition. Something has to happen to wake us up. Last thing, 9-11 just disturbed me to the core. And I just watched our tribute on 9-11 here at Andrew Walmack Ministries. And it was all I could do to keep from crying. I, I feel like I'm going to cry right now, and I'm not. I'm holding it back. Don't you dare cry. Uh, but that was the only time in my adult life I saw for months we came together. Yeah. What yeah. will it take to bring us together? That's my concern about this. What, what will it take for people to get over their self-centeredness and think of something bigger than themselves. Because that's what a great awakening does. You're awakened to evil. You're awakened to your own sin and repentive of your own sin. And then you begin to address the reforms. And you know, I was talking to somebody back before COVID hit and uh, about a great awakening. And I was, I was telling them that I believe people are going to come alive and recognize that this is wrong and change. But the people who have embraced it and who have been emboldened by giving them constitutional rights to homosexual marriage and on and on. I don't think those people are going to go away quietly. They won't. And I was saying it could cause another civil war. And I said, man, I just can't see that. And somebody says, well, do you think the civil war was worth ending slavery? And I thought, well, yeah. And you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. And in a sense, I don't care. Duty is ours is what John Quincy Adams said. Duty is ours, results is God. We are going to do what's right. We're going to see this nation turned around, and I can't guarantee what the ungodly are going to do. That's right. But regardless of what they do, we are going to have it. Yeah, let me jump in there. What does it look like? It looks like a Bill Maher that I've never agreed with on anything. He certainly would never agree with me on anything, and even Bill Maher is seeing the danger of the woke movement, seeing the danger of the police state. So even people who don't love the Lord, it's like they're waking up that this is wrong. You don't, you don't have to be saved to have a conscience. And a part of a great awakening is God breathing, I believe, on the conscience of a nation. And as He breathes on our conscience, then the conscience will tell you that is wrong and this is right. And how that's going to uh, flesh out, I'm nervous about. We've got homosexuals that are standing up against the homosexuals pushing that agenda. And Bruce Jenner, who transi transitioned to right. Caitlyn Jenner, he's yeah. even stood out against yeah. women having to compete with men and having men and women. And so even the ungodly are beginning to recognize how bad this is, and it is going to turn around. And, that, and that's where my hope comes from. You know, I, I live in a, not a bubble, I live outside the bubble as a person that loves everybody. But you tend in ministry to get in a bubble in the sense, in the sense of people at least that claim to know Jesus. And it's exciting to me to see people outside of the church. It's a sign to me. Yeah. They're not saved. 
They won't get saved by just going, that's wrong and this is right, but it's a step even in the right direction for them to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So I think what it'll look like is reforms. It'll look like even the ungodly knowing the difference between good and evil, and we'll see people getting saved that we'd have never dreamed would get saved. So, Verna, thank you for your call. We could talk about this forever, yeah. but we would like to get another call in or so. So let's go to George and Betty. They're calling from Scotland. Welcome. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, well, we explained it to the girl what we were phoning in for. So, do you want, do you want us to know why we're phoning in? Well, yes. I, our deal says, do you think God Himself, not man, is needed to convict for revival? I guess I would think what you're asking is, can we occasion revival, or is this just something that God Himself has to bring revival? Is that accurate? No. Okay, well, say, we were, say it again. We were, we were listening to the, the Hebrides revival. We've been yep. listening for years, and it just took God Himself to come down and convict people, and nobody was able to argue with them because they just fell flat in their face. That's what it takes now for God to come down Himself. We're just saying that. Yeah, well, Betty, let me respond to that because I've studied the New Hebrides revival a bunch, and I even heard. Um, man, I just went blank on his name right now, the guy who preached the New Hebrides Revival. I actually went and heard him speak. Do you know who that was? Duncan Campbell. I actually heard Duncan Campbell speak back when I was just a teenager. And anyway, my, the New Hebrides Revival, I could give you the whole history of it, but it was phenomenal. I mean, people were under bridges and just crying out. They were going down to the police station saying, tell us how to get saved. <laughs> and people just say that it was a sovereign move of God. That means it was independent of people. And they will cite these uh, little widow ladies in the Hebrides who prayed for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, when Duncan Campbell was preaching this meeting, all of a sudden, there was one person who came forward and, and they prayed with him and the meeting was dismissed. And then as everybody was leaving the church, he was outside and he just fell on his face and began to cry out to God. And all of a sudden, everybody began to cry out to God. They went back in and people began to be saved by the hundreds and the thousands. And for over a hundred years, they still had prayer meetings going in the Hebrides. So I've studied that and I've listened to Duncan Campbell. But you know what? I also heard another man who was in that prayer meeting the night before the revival started on Sunday morning. And the pastor and a group of people have been meeting together and praying for years for God to pour out His Spirit. And this was a similar type of thing. They would pray all night long. But this night, there was a young man that was in the prayer meeting, and as they were crying out and begging God for revival, this young man stood up and quoted 2 Chronicles 7:14, and says, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. And he said, we've done what God's Word says. I believe God did His. We need to quit asking and we need to believe. And he says, I, I'm going home. 
And for the first time, they didn't pray all night long. They believed the Word of God. And the next day is when the revival happened. That's awesome. And Charles Finney, or uh, yeah, it was Charles Finney that wrote a book on revival. And one of his chapters in there, he says, revival is not something that just comes sovereignly where God does it. He says, we cause revival by taking the Word of God, humbling ourselves, and doing it. So... I understand what you're saying, Betty, and I've, I've been around people all the time that are just praying and they're just waiting on God to do it, and they aren't going to sit there and take a stand because it has to be sovereign, and I disagree with that. I do believe that God is the only one that can change people's hearts, but it, He's wanting to do it, but He has to flow through people, and until we stand up and start taking a stand and speaking out on these issues, that revival, the third great awakening, is not going to manifest. And I'll end with this, but, uh, you know, the Scripture says faith without works is dead. I also believe prayer for anything, but prayer for revival without us acting properly is also dead. If you pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on Sunday, and then Tuesday you go vote for a person who's killing babies and promoting transgenderism and all of this stuff, those prayers are useless. Prayers have to have Amen. corresponding actions to go along with it. Amen. Well, there's not a lot I can add to that for sure. I'm not familiar with those revivals, uh, but I, I agree totally that it it's not God without us and us without God. And a lot of people are just waiting on God to do something. And then others are trying to do something without God, and that doesn't work. But the Lord taught me years ago as a minister that it's not my responsibility to convict. I can't personally convict anybody. I can't convert anybody. I, I, can't, I can't change anybody's life in and of myself. But if I'll speak the, the truth in love, if I will be an epistle read and known, if I will repent of my sin, and if I will humble myself, then I can be a vehicle of revival. And I do believe that's what's happening and going to ha increase is God's people are going to begin to repent of voting for people that are ungodly, voting for people that permit and, and, and propagate evil. And as soon as we just realign our hearts with God and do now the right thing, this will facilitate God to convince, convict, and convert. And that testimony, I'm sitting here hearing it for the first time, and I'm just jumping up and down on the inside, that I do believe that that's part of this suddenly, that there's going to be the awakening is... We have our eyes opened and we repent, meaning change our mind, changing our direction as God's people. We're going to become vessels of honor in the house of God, vessels of gold in the house of God. And I do believe the Holy Spirit is going to be released through us, that we're not doing it. The Holy Spirit is doing it, but He has to have a vessel to flow through. That's how God's ordained it and that's how He works. And Amen. I see it happening. So thank you, Betty. We sure appreciate it. I love the way you say girls. I've got, <laughs> I've got John Donnelly, who's on my board, and he's from Scotland. And I tell you, the first time I went to Scotland, I had to have an interpreter. People came forward <laughs> for prayer, and I couldn't understand a word they said. But I've now learned a few things. <laughs> anyway, we appreciate your call. Thank you. You know, I love having Dwayne on, and I think it's really good for both of us to be sharing, but we take longer. 
answering a question because we're both talking and so we aren't going through it. I just want to make sure we answer it. That's all. Well, go no, ahead. Let's fly great. through these. All right. So let's go to Chris in Wisconsin. You're on with uh, Pastor Dwayne and Andrew. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. We got you. Oh, yay. Oh, my gosh. I'm <laughs> grateful to be on here. I love you both. I'm so thankful for the teaching, for Truth and Liberty, for all of it. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, Real quick question. Uh, last night I was listening to Bible study and with both of you on. And again, that was such a wonderful um, teaching that Pastor Dwayne that you did. I'm murmuring and complaining, so thank you for that. Um, but during the session, you you made a comment, and um, excuse me for paraphrasing, but you said that when you see the people again that you prayed for that didn't get raised from the dead, that you'd apologize. And um you know, normally I've heard Andrew say that if you don't take um, the credit for healing somebody, then we really shouldn't take the responsibility for it if a person doesn't get healed. And I guess I just want both of you to kind of talk a little bit about that and the differences. Yeah, my quote, my quote was, if you don't take the credit for their healing, you can't take the blame if they aren't healed. And that's not 100% true because sometimes we do operate in fear and stuff, but as a whole, you can't sit there and feel like it's your responsibility to get these people healed. We are only the vessel and we speak and we lay hands on them, but God's one who does the healing. So. A a absolutely. There are so many factors involved in someone receiving their healing. All I meant was that it's something on our end. It was on our yeah. end, not God's end, is what I was trying to say there. And absolutely, I can't take full responsibility when I pray for someone and they don't get healed, but I want to keep seeking God and make sure I'm still in the best position I can be for that anointing to flow through me. So I don't take full responsibility or I never take any form of guilt or shame uh, and that it's my fault. No, I, I have the hands. I obeyed God. Simple scripture. We make it too hard. I just lay hands on the sick. That, that's the end of my responsibility. I can't heal a gnat wing. I can only lay hands on the sick and God heal them. So somewhere along the line, I do my part, but their part is involved. Uh, and there's a lot of factors involved in healing. So I hope I didn't create yeah. confusion there. But. And Chris, that's a problem that I guarantee you Dwayne has dealt with and I have too, is that when you want to see something, and the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when you don't see a person healed, and especially when you see them dying, you have to do the funeral. It's, it's tough and you wonder about God, is, is it my fault? But you can't dwell there. Mm. I actually was with Oral Roberts just a couple of months before he died. I was in his home and somebody asked him a question about this, about how did it affect you when you prayed for a person and they went ahead and died? And he shared that that was one of the worst things he had ever been through and it bothered him so much that he actually told the Lord, I'm going to quit praying for people because I can't stand to see people prayed for and then not be healed. And the Lord spoke to him and he says, and if you quit praying for people, the ones that you do see healed will never be healed. You can't take responsibility. He says, if you pray for somebody and they fall over dead, step over them and say next. <laughs> and so I, the first five people I prayed for early in the ministry, they were elderly people and it was all critical. Uh, and all five of them died while I was praying for them. And so that was the biggest discouragement I've ever had. But the next person had 
drank so much as an alcoholic, his liver was gone. He couldn't get a liver transplant. They were planning his funeral in the foyer. And I went in there and said, Lord, you told me to lay hands on the sick. I'm not going to quit. If he dies, he dies, but I'm laying hands on him and I believe he's going to be healed. And that man was supernaturally healed of his liver and lived another 10 years, praise God. So I'm, I was just trying to say, I think, and I'm not speaking for you or other people, but I, I always want to be humble in the sense of, Lord, is there anything else I can do to be a better servant, Absolutely. a better vessel? Absolutely. That's what I mean by that. But I definitely don't take responsibility or credit. I love the way you say it. So thank you, Chris, for your call. Let's go to Dennis in Oklahoma, fellow Oakley, Oakey, with uh, Pastor Dwayne calling in. So you're on the line, Dennis. I live in Duncan, Oklahoma. And I go yes. to Ray of Hope, and I want to ask you and Brother Dwayne. Praise God. How can you witness to a terrible witness? Well, you know, I've, I've ministered to a lot of Jehovah Witnesses, and I think part of it is you need to know what they believe because they will try and trick you. And, and say things. And so you need to have some understanding. And I actually have teaching on how to minister to a Jehovah Witness, and you could actually get that from me. But you, you can't learn everything. You don't need to become a student of Jehovah Witness if you just share with them what God has done for you. They haven't experienced that same thing. God is not personal to them. It's all just doctrine. And when you start sharing a living testimony and just give your witness, uh, if their heart is seeking it all, they'll see that they don't have what you have, and that'll be one of the best ways of reaching them. Yeah, I don't recommend arguing with anybody of any faith or so-called faith. That doesn't get you anywhere. But that is the way I minister to everybody is who Jesus is to me personally. And you can't argue with an experience. That's right. You can't argue with the changed life. You can't argue with the healings you've experienced. And so witness to them like you would anybody else with a passion for Jesus. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. Amen. Experience will trump it every time. Amen. That's really good. Thanks, Dennis. Let's go to Judy in Tennessee. You're on Truth and Liberty with Pastor Dwayne and Andrew. Hi, glad to be on. I was calling the lady that was on and talking about her son that was rebelling and into that church with all the bad doctrine. Uh-huh. I have a son that got off into the transgender movement. He picked the day after my mother was laid in the grave to tell me he was transgender. Wow. And he hasn't I haven't seen him, been around him or spoke to him since February of twenty sixteen. And sometimes I get this feeling, should I try to reach out to him or should I just let him come to it on his own? And I'm not sure which way you go there, but I just put him in God's hands and tried to quit worrying about it because my health isn't the greatest. And, you know, I, I get to thinking I'd like to see him before something happens. But then, as long as God gets him, it doesn't matter whether I see him or not. Well, Judy, that's a, that's a tough situation. Let me say that I think you should be reaching out to him, but he may not listen to you at all. Like I just talked to one of my students today who has a son that they've tried to reach out to, and he will not accept their call. 
And she says, what do I do? And you can't just, you can't make something happen if they won't receive. But at the same time, I would be sending cards on a birthday at Christmas or something. I'd say, I still love you. And he may never open them and he may never respond and you can't force him. But I would continue to reach out. I've got, a, I've got two sons that aren't where they need to be with the Lord. One of them is really close to us and we have a great relationship with, but neither one of them are where they need to be. And I still reach out to them and stuff, but um, you just have to be led by the Spirit. I don't know that there is a single answer for the way you deal with everybody. And Pastor Dwayne, all of his kids are loving God, and I know so many people that their kids turned out good. I didn't do as good of a job, and it's easy to feel like, well, you're a failure, and I don't, I don't admit that I must have failed someplace, but at the same time, I can look at other people who's parents are transgender, homosexuals or whatever, and they turn out great. <laughs> and so I don't, you know, God is the greatest parent that ever was and his kid, two that's, kids went off the rails. So that's exactly right. Again, I'm just doing what I know to do and I'm loving and I'm reaching out, but you do have to let God be the one responsible for reaching. Out. I, I, I encourage everybody, you never, you never quit seeking reconciliation. God is the God of reconciliation. You can reach out and not have to deal with that issue, but keep saying how much you love him. You're praying for him. Uh, absolutely try to reconcile and let him know no matter what, you love him because that love never fails. God's kind of love in our hearts that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit never fails. It never quits. It never gives up. It never gives in. So continually be reaching out. Excellent example, send cards, just make sure you tell him how much you love him and it's in God's hands to change his heart, not you. Yeah. And you can't beat yourself up. You know, Absolutely. When, when our, there were some things that happened, I won't go into detail, but it could have destroyed Jamie and me individually and it could have destroyed our marriage. And if we would have ever started saying, why did this happen? What did we do wrong? If we had started blaming the other person, I'm not sure we'd have survived that. But That's Jamie right. and I both just said, look, whatever the problem is, it's not God's fault. It has to be our fault or maybe something we don't know. And we just asked God for forgiveness and we walked in love and we have never criticized the other person and said, if you'd have been the person you were supposed to be, our son wouldn't be this way. You can't Amen. go to blaming yourself or your mate. You just have to go to the Lord and receive forgiveness for what you didn't know and continue on. There's just a point where we have to entrust our children to God no matter what. We get them for 20 years, according to the Bible, they become adults at 20, and we pour into them. And you have to put faith, instead of condemning yourself or beating yourself up, you have to put faith in the seeds that you've sown and believe for a, a, a laborer to cross his path to water those seeds. They can spring up at any minute. So don't Amen. lose hope, don't lose faith. Uh, and keep reaching out. And I really believe God's turning and will be turning the hearts of children back unto the fathers in these last Amen. of the last days, which includes mothers as well. You know, we're out of time, but thank you for being with us. And thanks, Dwayne. I enjoy being I with you. It's love awesome. being with you. It's great. And we're going to be doing this again tomorrow. And Pastor Dwayne is going to be the one who's hosting that. And so join him again tomorrow at 330 uh, to five o'clock mountain time. We do this every weekday and we'd encourage you to be a part of it. If you need more prayer, we've got people by our phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's 719-635-1111 is our 24 hour 
uh, helpline help number. So thank you for joining us. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.